PD Raw is a podcast sharing the experiences and insights of people with personality disorders or traits by being brave and talking about the things that are shameful and painful. Humans demystify and destigmatize the things that we hide. The aim of this podcast is to let others know that they are not alone. By showing the reality behind our walls, we hope to bring people closer together, connecting in a more open and authentic way. Please be aware that, due to its topic, this podcast is adults only, not safe for work, and may contain triggering content. Howdy again, our loyal and captive audience. It's Few hosting PD Raphael, and today we have a fan favorite, everybody's favorite NPD lead girl. We have NPD April for her second appearance. Hello, that's right. <laughs> NPD Y2K E girl. You know, um, I made a post on my Instagram saying that I wanted to be the Paris Hilton of NPD. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope that I'm I hope that I'm able to accomplish that. I hope I'm able to get a little closer to that in this interview. <laughs> and you know what? You aim for the moon and if you fall short, you'll land amongst the stars. So Hell yeah. <laughs> now I don't personally I don't know if we're gonna get you there. Like, you know, our podcast, we're starting now, we're trying to make moves. Right, but like, you, you know, know what? You don't build Rome in a day. Absolutely. <laughs> you no, know, it takes time. Yeah. <laughs> one brick and one step at a time. Kind of like the That's journey right. for getting over the disorder. Hey, That's hey, look at that. We just what a transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So speaking of smooth so. transitions, let's mosey on over mm -hmm. to what we think we're gonna talk about today, which is misconceptions with NPD. Uh -huh. And I don't want to yeah. step on your toes too much because I know you just did a video on it recently. Hashtag mm -hmm. go check out our socials. So I think yeah. maybe what I'll do is I'll let you kind of rehash perhaps quickly some of the things you've already talked about just to make sure we're not repeating. And then I'll add in some of the things that I've got and pick your brain about what you think or feel about them. Alrighty, yeah, please go check out my YouTube video, NPD April, on that topic. So I remember in that video, I talked about four, but there are certainly a lot of others that we can get into. Boy, um, howdy. One, yeah, there's, there's a lot more than four. So we will get into all of them. One of them is that grandiosity, people have this conception that people with NPD are. They're, first of all, they think that they're always grandiose, right? And they think that grandiosity is confidence. It's like, mm -hmm. it's self-confidence. When you're feeling like you're on top of the world and like you're expressing that, that that's real. That's how you actually are feeling about yourself. But the thing about that confidence is it doesn't last. It's very fragile. It's not like real confidence. Like real self-confidence is, I think, is the ability to feel good about yourself. And even if somebody criticizes you, you're able to kind of brush it off and still be like, you know what, I'm still a good person. I'm not going to let this destroy me. Uh, with NPD, when you get criticized, when somebody's judging you, when someone's making fun of you or whatever, it just wrecks you and sends you into a depression. And it's not 
it's not consistent self-confidence, you know? Yeah. I it's mean, fragile. Yeah. And that's a great one to put out there off the top of the dome. A lot of people looking from the outside see somebody who sometimes seems like they're all that and above and on top of the world. And you think, well, that's what it's like inside them all the time and forever. And that is nowhere near close to the truth. And I've been saying yeah. something similarly, particularly recently. And so I think uh -huh. that... I formulated it is that grandiosity is the disordered version of confidence and uh -huh. the real difference between them is grandiosity is about being the best number one the star the center yes. of attention you are right. of the hierarchical thinking of mpd people uh -huh. you're you're trying to see yourself as amongst the top if not the top and that yep. comes yep. with a lot of inflexibility then because if you cannot be at the top of everything in every respect from every angle at every single time, then you feel like shit and it craters. You're no longer number one. Being number two or number 10 is not good enough. It has to be number one. Yeah, and if can't be number 10. <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> hashtag not number hashtag. 10. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So the thing you said is that's just inherently fragile because there's so many ways for you to be plucked off of that number one spot. And I think that there's a lot of narcissists that have their own variation on it. One thing I've noticed is with other narcissists I've met now that I've been in the community a little longer, I've met other people with NPD. You got some people who see themselves as like a god. Some people see themselves as a king. For me, I'll just straight up say, for me, it's like a celebrity thing. It's like, <laughs> I'm like this like <laughs> celebrity yep. icon, you know? Right, right. Um, yep. <laughs> so it's like everyone has their own version of grandiosity, but ultimately it's always about you're the number one star. You're the you're the number one. You're the best. And it's not that it's it, there's a hierarchy there. You're not equal on equal footing with other people. And it's not about it's almost about like an image and rather than just being okay with yourself for who you are, who you really are, I guess. Yeah. Um, the really cool addition there that you mentioned that I guess wasn't thinking of is just the way that people are different in terms of what the grandiosity is. Is you know, I am the authority, I am the smart one, I am the celebrity, yes. I am the king or queen. There's all these different uh -huh. ways that you can flesh out what the particular grandiosity is, but it's always the same structure of the thing that you're the most invested in or you sort of care about the most you are the best at. Yeah, it manifests itself in different ways based on different narcissists. Yeah. And as somebody that's big on music and art and stuff like that, I mean, that's why that would probably manifest that way for me in the celebrity way. Whereas somebody that's all about being a super like smart person, like they want to be like seen as an intellectual or something like that. I'm tr trying to think different examples, but different people. It just shows, it goes to show you that different narcissists it's the same core thing, but we all express it in different ways. Yeah, I mean, that's just uniqueness as an individual, which again is one of those mm -hmm. misconceptions that, yeah, there's a lot of similarity in yep. the internal structures and the framework. I mean, same with people, but you still have your own individuality in terms of which things you care about, mm -hmm. how you express it and all that kind of nonsense. So yeah, there is still a difference between yeah. everybody who has that structure.
Definitely between different narcissists. Yep. And so the next part of this though is, well, what's confidence? And yeah, the way you put it, I think is absolutely correct. I have my own kind of, it's very similar, slightly different. And so hopefully between our two different paraphrasings, people hear something that they like. So the way that I put it is confidence is that you do not have to be the best. You don't have to be at the top, but you know that you're good enough or worthwhile, or you are capable and competent to achieve your ends and needs in the world and amongst amongst other people. And you don't get as insecure about the future or what other people think or things that are going to happen because you don't worry about them. You trust that if difficulties come or an occasion happens where you have to rise to the task, you will be able to meet it. And I think that is the core of confidence is that there's a vulnerability there's a bit of uncertainty in terms of you don't know what the future is going to hold you don't know what people are going to say you don't know what kind of challenges you're going to face but the rock Uh solid certainty is i trust myself that i can handle it in the best way possible for me and that will be a reflection of who i am and i can meet my needs i think so and i think that's why so many like narcissists we expect perfection from ourselves because we feel like we have to be that and so if we fail to live up to that we're gonna be like super hard on ourselves we don't leave any room for error or mistakes you know what i mean yeah um and real confidence is being able to make mistakes and being able to be like, okay, with, yeah, fuck this one up, but I'm still, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. I'm still okay. Exactly. Um, I mean, even a part yeah. of meeting those circumstances of things you're trying to get to is that you're going to make mistakes. You're never going to be able to make it to the top without making errors. This is like one of those fallacies with narcissistic people where they want to be perfect, but they're intolerant of errors. That yep. <laughs> those two things don't go together. <laughs> I hate to break it to y'all. It's just like so. So does that mean you just You're never make mistakes? Yeah. Does that mean you just never practice because you can't make errors in practice? No. That's uh, or even yeah. Even if you're doing live shows and you're trying to show your polished version or you're presenting a paper, mistakes and coming back and reevaluating that constant coming back and rectifying what you did before. That's a part of the process. But just being secure throughout that process. That's how you get better. Exactly. I feel like in the in the past month of or I guess maybe I've been doing this for like two months now, maybe. Looking back on my old interviews, I've reset reassessed how I was in them and then I've gotten better at doing them. And there's nothing wrong with that. You just keep learning every time you do it and you get better. Yeah. You know? I mean the first episode that I did for this podcast was awkward as fuck because I just showed up with Noda on the call. There was no preamble. It was our first time talking. It was just, hey, what the fuck up? And here we go. So it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. super janky, but that's okay. We have, well, I Mm -hmm. in particular have iterated since then. And so, you know, I know the ropes now and I do things in a particular way to try and make sure other people are comfortable. And so I've just gotten better from there. And it's actually kind of cool when you can look at your old mistakes or the stuff you used to do, and you can just kind of laugh at it and be like, well, this is how far I've come. That actually, yeah, yeah, seeing your mistakes and being able to have pride in how far you've come from them or just how much you've developed. I mean, that gives you a genuine Uh sense of pride in yourself. Yep, yep, definitely. 
when I look back with my old music too, like I listen to some of the first stuff I made and it, it does make me laugh. Like, oh, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> it's so amateur, but like I keep that stuff up there on Spotify because that was just a moment in time. Like, I'm never, I'm not, I don't want to erase that memory, you know? It's still, it's still, it's imperfect, but it's still okay. Exactly. So, I mean, it's a part of what got uh, you here. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, back to misconceptions. There's something I wanted to say kind of similar to the grandiosity thing is I think a lot of people, when they see somebody that's depressed, right? And they, this is the second point I made in that video that I made was I I had made this point that narcissism is obvious to people. This is what the misconception is. People think that you can tell right away when someone has NPD because they're always going to be acting grandiose, that they're always going to be acting like they're the, the best person in the world and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's nonsense. Not always true. Everybody knows it's the yeah. eyebrows that gives them away. You're right. You're right. It's the <laughs> eyebrows. <laughs> you can act as confident as you want, but if you don't got them eyebrows on fleek, <laughs> you're not a real narcissist. <laughs> oh, God. There are just so many ridiculous studies out there of like... You're I've MVP. seen that one. Yeah, exactly. So, I've seen the eyebrow study. I know about the eyebrows. Yeah, you, you just got to laugh at this silly shit sometimes. My goodness. You really do. You really do. <laughs> Anyways, please continue. Uh, yeah, so the idea that it's obvious to spot in people. And for me, like, I am a very... Until I get to know someone, when I, you know, talking to you now, I like, I've known you, known you a little more, and I feel like it's like more like chill. But like, when I first meet somebody, I am super shy. I'm very unable to just be myself around people and be open. And that doesn't look narcissistic to people. That looks very shy and quiet and reserved. And narcissists are usually stereotyped as these loud, boisterous kind of people. So there's that. And then there's also me going through a lot of periods of depression, especially when I'm feeling like I'm not getting a lot of attention from people or I'm getting a lot of criticism from people. I fall into these deep states of depression or if something is going wrong in my life. And that's not going to look narcissistic to people either. So there are definitely times in your life with NPD where you're you're not going to, it's not going to be obvious to people. So it creates a misconception because then it's like, you try to tell people oh, I have this disorder, and they're like, "No, you don't," <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a real good thing to put out there. I mean, I think that anybody who wants to consider even the most basic things of narcissism is the overt covert split, and the fact that people switch between those, or you're grandiose, vulnerable, you can mm-hmm. label it a couple of different ways but that even the same person mm-hmm. will flip through those. I mean, I guess another, uh, this is a broader point and I think I have it written down further, but like also NPD isn't its own thing, like in you and the outside world has nothing to do with it. We're all in mesh with our environments. And if you're in an environment where you cannot be grandiose, then you will be covert or vulnerable. You will lay low. You're gonna wait, as you said, trying to get to know me better. And then you're just like, right, I'm gonna be rad as fuck now. I feel secure, I feel safe. Like I know <laughs> everything. And then you kind of like, yeah, out. sure. Yeah, when you first, so when I first like meet people, I don't, I don't want to 
give out too much. I don't want to show too much of my grandiosity with them because I don't really know how that's going to be perceived by them. Right. So like I hold back on it a lot of times because I don't want them to be like weirded out by it or whatever. <laughs> I know you're cool because like, you're like part of the community and stuff like that. But a lot of just normies, I'm trying to talk to them. And at best, I'll, I'll express it through like jokes and stuff like that. But it's hard to express it because it's not always seen in the best light. <laughs> yeah you know and you got so be... that's another way that it doesn't appear obvious to people you know yeah and i mean you got to be attuned to people because you really are dependent on their feedback or the reflection that they give you to kind of know who you are and even aside from so kind true. Of the grandiosity there's also just you're afraid to really show a lot of yourself because you want to be seen well but you maybe have a less stable sense of self or you don't know what the other person likes and really being yourself and being rejected would be obscenely painful and you don't have the confidence that somebody else might just be like oh this person doesn't like me all right fuck it. and you just keep on moving it feels yeah. too it feels too much like that original wound of where you tried to be yourself and were invalidated. If you don't know what we're talking about, in MPD April's case, we actually talked specifically about this. Go check out her last episode on the pod. Yeah, we did. Damn, I'm we did. so fucking good at plugging things. All right. So. <laughs> I love your grandiose moment. Right ah. I love it. <laughs> it's what I like to see. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so yeah that was our last episode we talked about that because i do feel again like i i was just feeling this again today is i have my so again i have like my, my music page i talk about it's violent melody is where i share my music and all my friends are on that one my real life friends so i know that they're not gonna like it if i talk about npd and i'm totally relying on other people's opinions of me so i know not to share stuff about NPD because I don't want to I don't want to deal with the fact that they're not gonna like me if I start talking about that stuff but it's also sad because I'm like living this double life now where I have this like NPD world that I'm in where I feel like I can totally be myself I can talk about NPD I can talk of it can even talk about music and stuff like that on there if I want to but if I talk about but on, on the music page I can only talk about music I can only be this filtered version of myself because it's not very acceptable to to talk about it you know yeah and that's painful because i mean it's just an ongoing of the kind of invalidation and the lack of being able to be yourself most deeply that is part of what kind of creates condition for in the first place for some people so yeah that's yep. yeah it's kind of an excruciating thing and for other people who are listening kind of wondering well why do they lie like why do they cheat or manipulate or evade or you know all these other things there are sometimes ways yeah. in which you have to do maneuvers to hide yourself because you are paranoid or afraid of perfectly sensible repercussions. It would be a social death of a sort to really out yourself in this particular way. And you- That's the thing too. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing too, is people have this uh, conception that narcissists, they're not gonna admit it. And, and, and that makes it sound like it's like this purposeful thing. They wouldn't admit that they have NPD. They're gonna keep it, they're gonna hide it from you intentionally. It's not like that. It's like, I'm hiding it because it's literally, like, in some cases it's social suicide to admit that you have NPD to people, you know? Yeah, it you're trying- your reputation. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to avoid you know? the village mob with pitchforks and torches like it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, frankenstein's monster or the beast in beauty and the beast mm -hmm. they're mm -hmm. you know, 
These are the <laughs> kinds of lynchings that people attempt of things that they are afraid of and that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely, yeah, I think that's a good one. Let's do the third. Okay, the third one is... Oh, you know what? I did write some other ones that weren't related to the video. Do you mind oh, yeah. going into those? Go for cool. it. Okay, here's one that I didn't mention in the video that I think is important to know. People have this conception that narcissists, this is especially common in those narcissistic abuse communities. They have this conception that narcissists target people. (laughs) Like they look for people that are, they perceive as weak and they target them for manipulation. And the way that I look at that honestly is like, the people that I hurt, are gonna be the people that I'm the closest with. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna hurt people that I really know on just a superficial surface level because I'm not I'm not really close to those people. And it's not like I'm hurting them on purpose. It's more like you're gonna see a lot more of my bad behaviors because you're really close to me. Right. Like it, you're not gonna really see that those behaviors if you're an acquaintance in my life. You're just gonna see me on the surface level if i'm really having like a deal this is why it's like especially common in romantic relationships it's like i'm really really close to somebody i'm trusting them with being my true self around them and a natural part of that is we're gonna get into a lot of fights we're gonna have conflicts some of my bad characteristics are gonna come out just because i'm that close with them and that doesn't mean that i targeted them on purpose to hurt them (laughs) it means that (laughs) it means that they're being hurt by me by things that i do because these are part of me that other people just wouldn't necessarily see because they don't know me on that level yeah and so this is a good one and oh this is complicated so yeah this is why i'm very glad to have you kind of come with some of yours so i can editorialize on them so this one is Uh the thing that you're saying is what I've also heard cluster B milkshake or some other people kind of really say, like even spirit narc, that the people who they're going to hurt yeah. the most are the people where they can't mask all the time. For other people, you're going to get treated well. Yes, because, that's it. Yep. Yeah, you're just superficial. You like, you know, I've met you a couple of times. I like, just see the mask, you see the surface level, you believe whatever. But with people in intimate environments, I mean, eventually you have no choice but to be yourself it's going to come out sooner or later. And it's when the mask falls and the whiplash partially is the mask falling and the whiplash of the true self and the mask kind of alternate between each other. And yeah, conflict arises and things get really difficult. Yep. And it's scary for us as people with NPD when we can't keep the mask up because we feel like the mask is the thing that's keeping us so that people like us. In my experience, my fear is that if people see through the mask and they see my true self, they're not going to want to, they're going to abandon me. That's literally the fear that's underneath it is they're going to abandon me. They're not going to want to be in my life anymore because they're going to see my flaws and they're not going to like me. Yeah. And I mean, again, from the other episode we did with you, you can kind of see where you had that deep internal sense of shame or lack of worth within yourself and feeling like it had to be hidden away. And so that's the thing Mm -hmm. that you're constantly anxious and preoccupied about. Yeah. Yeah. There were, so there are two things I think I wanted to say in addition. One of them was, Mm -hmm. yes, as you said, like narcissists are not just going to target randos, people they're not invested in. Why would they put in the effort to hurt somebody that they don't care about? Going through the effort. Right, who cares about those people? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, (laughs) you're not important enough to think about it. 
they're not. <laughs> who cares about the guy at the gas station, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but this is going to lead to a big old bug. Okay. There, there are NPD, ASPD people in borderlines who do target people. And so, for example, like I talked with Cluster mm -hmm. Milkshake about this on her last podcast, and I've also had stalkers for fucking years now. And so... Mm -hmm. I think this is probably more a dimension of sadism, perhaps borderline of being unable to let things go, or narcissists and antisocials will target people mm -hmm. who they are envious of and kind of, they think, really triggers some of their wounds or their insecurities. But I mean, particularly close to B, she said that oh. because she could not affect a functional, healthy relationship herself, when she saw other people who had them, they made her jealous and envious. And so she would actually try to fuck around with the husbands, hit them up on social media, talk to them, get to know them, and then see if she can mess around with the relationship or screw them up just to prove to herself that she's not the one with the problem. It's other people who are pretending that love and relationships are possible when really it's all bullshit anyways. You can see it has a logic and it's sort of- I see where that comes yeah. from. Yeah. I personally really don't try to hurt people that I'm feeling jealous of. And maybe that's just from working on it for a while. Also, I'm very like, just like, part of me is I'm just very conflict avoidant, you know, like I don't want to like start up drama and stuff like that. But I can see where that comes from because I have that jealousy and I have thoughts like that, that I want to mm. like, get back at those people. Yeah. So I, I see mean, where it's coming from for sure. Yeah. I mean, again, we just have difference amongst narcissistic people. Some are conflict avoidant, yes. some are conflict leaning into. And so it's completely fine if you don't completely feel it or it's not something you do. It's just even when I'm the high community. on the, yeah, there's a bunch of these. I saw this post. It's a bunch of symptoms that people with NPD really deal with. And I put that one on my Instagram. I think that's one of my pinned posts. It's like stuff that people with NPD, various symptoms. And I think different narcissists experience them to different levels. I know for a fact, I'm really high on people pleasing one. Right. Like I want, that's, that's, um, I've seen that I'm higher in that than other people with NPD. Whereas I've seen other traits that I'm lower than other people with NPD. And so it's interesting to see the difference between different NPDs. Yes, yeah, so it sounds like you're more of a fawner or like a communal narcissist or something like that, as opposed yeah. to being on the more, say, sadistic or antisocial end. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and so um, a last point to just give a shpacha, I guess I have two points. Mr. Sure. Keelness, who I'm hopefully going to be interviewing soon, I think his first video of his Narcissist Code, he talks about how, and Costa B said the same thing, so those two are clearly similar, about how when they first meet somebody, they're immediately looking for weaknesses, vulnerabilities, or things that they have over you because they have to feel like, there's something that I am better than you at in order to feel okay. And I have things mm -hmm. that would hurt you if you tried to come at me or the interaction went south. This is my means of protection of knowing where your soft spots are. And so they both say that- So I that, can use them kind of like to get back at you? I kind of relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think nameless narcissists, I think he said something similar, but I don't clearly remember. But I do know yeah. that both, I do know that both close to B and mental illness, they both said that it isn't the case that we're necessarily going to do it. It's not like we are immediately wanting to do the thing. 
It's that they have to know that they have that tool in their wheelhouse and they can bust it out if needs be for them to feel safe. And I think it comes out, especially when you're like, when somebody has hurt you and you're splitting towards them and you, you are like splitting the blacks. You don't even care that you're pushing their insecurities at that point because you're so upset with them that it doesn't even matter to you anymore. That's when I would do that kind of stuff. Well, exactly. It's when they've pressed on that inner core of shame or worthlessness and it feels like to the NPD person, it feels like they are attacking your deeply held sense of self and you take it very seriously. And so you're reacting Uh to it as if it's a mortal threat, which means you go for your opponent's eyes. You go for the joints, the weak spot in their armor. You fucking exactly. Yep, yep, yep. That's exactly it. The other thing I was going to say was, is that like, at the same time, my ability to see through people like that, I've seen other people with NPD talk about this. It's like, you see their insecurities. The flip side of that for me with the people pleasing thing is I'm able to see what people want from me and how to present to them in a way that's likable for me. Yes. That's why I'm able to like do this thing where like on my music page, I'm able to be this person that everybody wants me to see me as I'm not able to like, I feel like I'm not able to be 100% real on there. So what I do instead is I post stuff that I know people are going to like from me. Right. And hide the stuff that I know that they're not going to like. So that's the way I give in to the people pleasing thing for that. You know? Yeah. yeah, you're putting up that facade, but you're leaning into the people pleasing to do so instead of just kind of like putting yeah. up this videos thing. You're hyper fixated. Like the same way some people are really good at finding the vulnerabilities, you're really good at finding the things that people want or desire and lifting it up. I'm actually sort of- <laughs> Listen, this is, here's, this is how I do it in a bad way. Like, uh, <laughs> okay, you can interpret this as good or bad, okay? Cause it does, it makes people feel good. This is, this is where a lot of my charm comes from. For example, with people with disorders, I know how to charm them. I know- All right. <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting this. I know that people with NPD want a lot of attention and praise. So I give them that. I know that people with BPD want a lot of, it's a different kind of attention, but I know what they want. So I give them that. Yeah, like connection or something like that, as opposed to admiration or something. Yes. I know the differences there. And I know that if I'm interacting with somebody that's one of those two things, because of that drive to be a people pleaser, to, to, to be who they want me to be, I will do that thing i'll just show that side of me to them you know yeah and i don't, um, think, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because i know that i'm making people feel good and that was part of my charm and my way of connecting with people which isn't entirely bad just you know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say i don't think that sounds bad at all i mean you yeah, have yeah you have the toolkit that lets you lean into the strong part of your persona or that you want to display to the world. And so, yeah, you have the ability that lets you carry that out. I'm similar. I can also find (laughs) people's vulnerabilities and I'm also pretty good at trying to pull people up or to draw them out to actually be able to go really deep with people, sometimes deeper than they want to look at themselves. I try to- I think it's like- I think it's like using it in a pro-social way too, rather than in a hurtful way. 
Exactly. Using now, that I gonna, power. Mm-hmm. Now, I was going to say, in my case, I tried to pride myself in being able to mostly be pro-social, but kind of sit in the middle, which is, at rest, mm-hmm. I, want, I want to be kind. I want to be pro-social. I want to have fun with people and be open. If mm-hmm. you force me to be unpleasant, I will stick knives in those exact same places and fucking twist, and it will be excruciating. And that is what I do to. <laughs> <laughs> you and me are not very different. In <laughs> all of a sudden, we're just coming around full circle, and it's just like, oh, okay, now we're we're on the same page. Uh-huh. Yes, I think that's how NPDs and VPDs get into the kind of fights they get into. Is they both they both do that kind of thing, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> And so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, these, these days, I will literally just warn people straight up. Like, if they come at me with hostility, I don't want to do this. Not interested. Going to try and walk away. Leave me the fuck alone. Uh-huh. If yeah. you refuse to let me leave a conflict and really still try to seek one out, then I'm going to make it fucking agonizing. And <laughs> it's, it's, I'm still going to be sad about it. Well, one part of me is going to be sad about it. One part's not going to care. Another part's going to fucking savor every single second of it. So, <laughs> yes. what, a, what a fucking nightmare. But yeah, so it it's... Okay. We, we have those capacities. And, and not yeah. To say. But last... I'll, oh, go ahead. I'll give you my last one that I have written down if, yeah. if you want. Yeah, uh, for misconceptions. The other one I wrote... Oh, so... I wrote that... Okay, I kind of wrote two here. I wrote that mm-hmm. narcissism is not a synonym for abuse, which we can get into a lot there. Yeah. I also wrote down that it's actually a lot more similar to BPD than people think. There's a lot mm-hmm. of overlap. One of the things is I went on this podcast called Borderliner... Or... It was the bold, beautiful borderline. I went on that podcast, <laughs> nice, and we had an nice. interesting, yeah, we had an interesting conversation on there. And what we kind of came to the conclusion of it, we were talking about DBT a lot there. Mm-hmm. We came to this conclusion that people with NPD are very similar to BPD. It's just that we with NPD are stuck in the cognitive mind, the thinking mind, and people with BPD tend to be stuck more in the emotional mind, and that the maybe the cure is for both of us to get into the opposite side of the mind more to balance it out more. I'm wondering yeah. what you think of that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's definitely something there. Uh, like that's mm-hmm. part, that's part of it. I think, mm-hmm. uh, so something I don't entirely agree with is Sam. Vatican. Yeah, that's fine. He talks about, uh, borderlines as being failed NPDs as there's trauma or some stigma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite a uh, Sam Vaknin is a Sam Vaknin is a character. <laughs> oh, that well, that's a, very diplomatic. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, he talks about yeah. how narcissism is kind of more of this completed phase where you have purged more of the emotional, or that you have this that your true self has really ossified and been covered down and you have this whole layers and mechanisms and things piled on top. So you've uh-huh. done the process of trying to make yourself inhuman or a not person and to be able to flourish in adverse conditions versus a borderline mm-hmm. is somebody who is traumatized, partially develops some of that, but then doesn't go the whole way. They still have 
touch with their true self, but then they're also split between the selves that they create to cope with the trauma. And you have this oscillation back and forth. That's where the extreme emotional reactivity comes from, of not being entirely one thing or the other, or of having not fully completed the transition into being this false self for taking on a hostile world. And so you still have touch with some of your deepest emotions, with what it was like to be a child of some of that innocence and naivete, but you just have no idea how to integrate it with then what the world is out there and with this false persona that you're trying to have. And that's where everything just goes all over the fucking place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which which is interesting. And I think there, there are some things that I like about that and just the thing that I would say is aside from failed or not, is that being a borderline is just you are still deeply in touch with your emotional side and you cannot integrate. Like you cannot integrate all the different parts of yourself that you have to try and cope with the trauma or the world or your actual feelings like with narcissistic people the integration problem quote unquote is less of a problem it's a fucking problem but yeah like i'll put scare quotes around it like usually the true self is kind of shoved so far down that it's not it it is always operational and kind of always grading against what you're trying to do versus with the borderline (laughs) like it's just a live wire constantly fucking going off and you can't shut anything off it's always just painful all the time Mm -hmm. every direction is i think the way Mm -hmm. that i would describe what it feels like for me and i mean really the thing that makes sense the thing that made me the most capable of doing what I'm doing right now and being stable was learning how to integrate everything of how to express the right parts of myself at the right time. Or if I, yeah. or if I'm feeling threatened or in battle mode, I'll intentionally do everything simultaneously just to overwhelm other people because there's no fucking way they're going to keep up with it. Because it is that I just can't describe it. it hmm. I can't. It's hard for me to keep up with. But yeah, the mm-hmm. being in multiple states quickly or simultaneously is, I think, what the core of it is. And I'll mention that this is in some treatment manuals or modalities for borderline patients. And this was my experience as well, that when you go into therapy or when you split and you're really triggered sometimes, that you speak with multiple voices or from multiple personas in rapid succession because there's literally just these separate selves that are all active and live but not integrated and trauma causes them to separate out even further and so it is painful and that's been my experience of when i was really triggered at one point in psychoanalysis it was more comfortable to speak of myself as if from three parts of myself than as one. And that is apparently very common in borderline patients. So that's maybe a bit of insight into what that's like for us. But the the similarity then to NPD is that you still have this true self, false self, multiple self structure. It's just the true self is so far down and the false self is so high that you don't have that same kind of true self constantly intruding kind of shit. Yeah. That makes sense. So you hold on. There's a lot. <laughs> That's why we have. Chats. One thing I related to a little bit too to what you said though is with splitting. Well, first mm-hmm. of all, I've had a lot of friends and I've dated a lot of people with uh, BPD, and I have noticed that. 
their voice changes depending on mm. when they're in the black and white thinking. Like if in the black thinking, in the devaluation, it, it's the voice sounds more like colder maybe. And like in the idealization, it, fi- it feels more warm and loving and kind of stuff like that. That sounds 100, 110% accurate. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I can. I also can kind of relate a little bit. I the way that I talk to people when I'm idealizing them is like very. Di- it's, it's. I think it's actually very similar because I talk in this way. I try to present myself in this really like cutesy way with people that I'm idealizing because I just want them to think that I'm like this like super sweet person. And then when I'm like devaluing them, I don't care, and I just become a lot more. I have a tendency to get pretty passive aggressive and, and stuff like that so it's like oh a so you become a yeah you become a raging bitch all right got it yeah you could have just said that you know that, <laughs> that would have been a lot more <laughs> you're right <laughs> all right you're, you're just the, the straightforward language is the best language <laughs> oh i was just gonna say you're just more polite than i am again it's polite it's yeah. sweet Kind just like the persona you put out there. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the thing um, I was gonna, the thing I was gonna ask so you about. I'm ready for any in- misconceptions that you have on your mind now. I got oh, oh, thank you for throwing that to me, and we'll definitely, yeah. I'll, I'll hit you with them just after this one thing that I wanted to ask about the borderline and PD similarity, and that is the question of borderline and vulnerable narcissism. I was going to ask if maybe you in any way identified with vulnerable narcissism, because those are kind of somewhat close. So I think that with a vulnerable narcissist, it is somebody who cannot be grandiose or kind of the pain or negative affects are closer to the surface. And this kind of a resentment that you cannot uphold the false self of the grandiosity so it's not the same as with the borderline where like that false self true self mechanism is still really entrenched and but yeah there's a lot of emotional reactivity particularly in the negative direction and sometimes people can mistake it for borderline of things shifting really quickly and going in a lot of directions so yeah i have just so much to say on this (laughs) (laughs) all right asking asking the right questions then First, yes, totally. When I first was diagnosed with NPD, I thought that I was a vulnerable narcissist because getting diagnosed with NPD, it's this harrowing, really like scary experience. I, I'm like, oh my God, I'm this bad person. Uh, mm. I realized what I was experiencing was a collapse. I was experiencing this just total thing where my self-esteem just fell apart because I was this whole like belief that I had about myself that I was this good person was gone it was shattered because i i was like oh my god i have npd the way that i hear about npd is you're a bad person that's how i saw myself and so at that time i was sad a lot my ability to talk to people and be socially anxious and like my social anxiety i mean was really high all my worst symptoms were coming out and so i was like i must be a vulnerable narcissist because when i read about that it's like you're a lot more emotional you're a lot more shy Oh, um, but this you know, is why that's you're like collapse. Oh, yeah. So when I'm in collapse, it seems like that's that's what I am. And like I'll tell you, I mean, I I wonder too if you can you can you might even be able to hear this between our first interview and the interview 
that I'm doing right now with you. When I was in my first interview with you, it was right after my band fell apart and I was in the middle of collapse. And then I was totally in vulnerable narcissism mode. I was like sad, really sad, really down. And that's how I talk when I'm like in that mode. It's like modes for me. Something bad happens in my life and I get into that mode. I'm really sad, really shy, really anxious. Like it's hard for me to com talk to people because I... I'm constantly overanalyzing everything I do when I'm in the vulnerable narcissist mode. I'm like, mm -hmm. my perfectionism, my inner critic is super, super high. So I'm like constantly like worrying about, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Then something happens, right? Something good happens in my life or a lot of good things happen in my life. Recently, shit's just been taken off. Like <laughs> uh, I got into, literally, like I got into a college uh, oh, very yeah, nice. Congratulations. To. Yeah, thank you so much. Audience, yeah, you be better going fucking clap here. Yeah, you better. I'm going into <laughs> art school now. I'm going to be studying graphic design. So I'm super, super excited for that. So there's the, that. There is the fact that my YouTube channel since then has just freaking blown up tremendously. And I want to give Tessa Spirit and Art all the credit in the world because she's done so much to help boost my channel literally yeah no she's one of my best friends in this community yeah, sh shout out to spirit um, and i mean it just goes yeah. to show you that everybody sinks or swims together we all help each other out lift up everybody and it just benefits everyone mm -hmm, absolutely yeah yep that's why i'm shouting her out right now um <laughs> so yeah People like boost each other up. My channel is just growing a lot. So it's, it's been this good feeling and this ton of attention coming towards me. And I've been feeling really good in my self-esteem again. And now I've been feeling consistently happy. I've been feeling consistently good about myself. And I've been able to like feel better in conversations. I'm not feeling as much social anxiety. I'm able to just be natural and make people laugh, just be chill. And like to me, that's when I'm in the more grandiose state. So... Definitely, it is this fluctuating thing for me. I don't know that it's that way for every narcissist, but for me, it's ups and downs. It's this fluctuation from grandiose and vulnerable. So when I'm vulnerable, it's like we talked about before, too. It's not as obvious that I have NPD because right. it doesn't look like NPD. You know, it looks like someone that's depressed and shy and stuff like that. And it's like... Mm -hmm needs a lot of help regulating needs a lot of help with their self-esteem and then when i'm grandiose i look like i'm the i'm the, the bad bitch right here <laughs> yeah, there we go that's what i like to hear Nails, yes. <laughs> so that's what the fuck we so turned up for <laughs> That's what you're getting today. So, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's it's like it's a lot of cycles with me. I know that we also want to do a little talk about how I cope with NPD. So maybe when we talk about that one, I could talk about how I regulate the cycles because that is a thing. But that's just that's my thoughts on that. You know. Yeah, and I am so glad then that I asked. It's a lot of things there for people to sink their teeth into. I had a point that I wanted mm -hmm. to say, and then your bad bitch comment just completely blew it out of my mind. So now I'm trying to <laughs> wrap my fucking fingers around it again. Oh, goodness. Let me, let me see here. Vulnerable. You're talking about presenting. Oh, God. It, it might be gone. 
It's so funny. Like, okay, so this is another like kind of funny thing. Is it's like yeah. <laughs> the way that like the music I listen to too, right? Like when I'm in like vulnerable, <laughs> when I'm in vulnerable narcissist mode, it's all these emo bands and it's Nirvana and all these. Like, <laughs> 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 and then I'm in grandiose mode and it's like these bad bitches, these big like cops. <laughs> Yeah, actually, it's just it, so different. Yeah, it's I great. get the exact same too. That like the music that I'm listening to can be really reflective of my mood. In my case, I mean, when, I'm, say, yeah. when I'm healthy, mm -hmm. it's actually all over the fucking place. Versus when yeah. I'm kind of do lower or ruminative or in combat mode, then I start fixating on certain things that really capture the emotion that I'm feeling, and it's just definitely. What feeling is we're going with it but yes now i finally remember what i was going to say and it was to follow up on what you said of yeah i think the difference yeah. in your last interview is that this time i can hear some of that confidence and assertiveness that i think wasn't there you can hear it right yeah mm -hmm. like you're kind of putting your foot down a little bit more securely leaving space for me throwing it back like taking the lead yourself so there's a bit more confidence and security this time that you're displaying in these ways and it's kind of the comment that i said about People are enmeshed with their environment. You're now having things happen and kind of in a place where it feels like you can put more of yourself out there. You got a bit of a firmer footing. And so you're starting to act like it. And that's one of those things where, again, kind of like you're saying about when you're a vulnerable narcissist, people can't tell. It doesn't seem like it. You cannot mm -hmm. just tell what type of a disorder somebody has without considering their environment or like what's going on with them in, in their life. In their life relatively recently and this is also like a diagnostic thing of if you somebody comes in with like vulnerable narcissism and collapse and you diagnose them with depression they get out they mm -hmm. get grandiose again and they're off bouncing off the fucking walls and they're grandiose and they just don't know any better they're just like oh my depression's cured so it's like one of these things yeah. where that again it, it, this is maybe just another misconception too where it's just you can take the narcissist and it's just like their essence and nothing changes like this is the core and it, yeah there's something rigid there's something that stays there but the environment and what's happening around you is still really important and really vital absolutely yeah it's interesting because a lot of people looking at me from the outside they think that okay so if they don't know that i have mpd right and they're looking at me from the outside they see the times where i'm really like quiet and confident and I mean, they see the times when I'm really quiet and depressed and stuff like that and then they see me acting grandiose one day and they're like you're cured now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow how did you do it and then you know next week I'm back to vulnerable narcissist mode and <laughs> you I mean, know like hasn't that just fucked you up though it's fucked me up where it's just like sometimes I'm like oh man things are low this is the worst ever I need help I don't know what to uh -huh. do and it's just like a couple weeks later or something like that you're suddenly feeling better and it's like what the fuck do I need to get help for I'm feeling great like there's nothing to worry about it, it oh totally it fucks you. It totally. <laughs> it's made me quit therapists a lot of times. Like yeah. I'll, I'll go into therapists when I'm in that sad times mode, <laughs> when I'm in sad girl mode. <laughs> and then, <laughs> so I'll go to the therapist to talk out my problems. And then all of a sudden stuff's going good in my life and I'm feeling really happy. And I'm like, why do I need therapy anymore? I should just quit. So, Bob Alicia. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And then I'll quit. And then like a month later, I'm back to sad times again. I'm like, oh no, what did I do? Why did I quit? (laughs) (laughs) Yep, exactly. So one of the things that I was happy, well, not happy, but glad that I did in hindsight was psychoanalysis four or five times a week for a year. And so that's just one of those things where like doing it that consistently and over that duration of time means you see even yourself throughout all the changes with the same presence there, the constant figure. And I think that's even just part of the treatment modality It's not even necessarily what the therapist does, but just you seeing, you being regarded and heard and listened to by somebody while you go through all these changes and then you realize, wait a second, it's fucking me. It's not other people, other events are important, triggers uh-huh. and stuff that comes up. But like yeah. a, a good psychoanalyst or will kind of really hold themselves back, let you do a lot of the work and you see yourself just thrashing around with yourself and eventually you start to kind of see yourself more clearly than you ever could have if you're also trying to figure yourself out from this environment that has all the shit going on. It's like a therapist's office in that modality gives you this kind of neutral blank space that really lets you just see your own movements and actions and thoughts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get that self-awareness. Yeah. So, all right. Fantastic. Those were some great things to go over. And we'll mosey on over to my side now that you've already made some space for me for. So thank you very much for that. I will say that these are going to start out Mm -hmm. kind of shallow. And then I have some subtler points to get deeper in. So one is one of the podcasts that noted just did about the harsh inner critic and the not confident voice or inner voices. <laughs> and you, we've already talked about this a little bit, which is you can look grandiose and fly on the outside, but what's going on inside is constantly, am I going to fuck this up? What do I look like from over here? Uh, is this okay? Oh, what did they think about <laughs> me? Even if you're presenting kind of larger than life or got all these things coming on it isn't the self dialogue that you necessarily have going on as a matter of fact you well you already said with grandiosity and confidence it's the grandiosity that is actually hiding the insecurity that's going on inside not a yes. stable confident thing yes yes your your grandiosity it's it's covering up your insecurities because i don't know if i've said it specifically on this episode just yet, but a big feature of narcissism is a fear of being vulnerable, especially of showing those really negative, um, I think it's a fear of sharing any emotions really, but especially feeling mm-hmm. sharing those negative emotions and those insecurities. So it's not expressed outwardly, those insecurities. So people just see those, that grandiosity, you know? Yeah, and I think some of the most really vulnerable things like Will somebody love me? Will I be given affection? Am I worth somebody else's attention? Oh my God, so much. (laughs) Like those aren't even even necessarily negative, but those are, you know, you're putting your heart in the palm of somebody else's hand and hoping that they don't just close it and crush it. Those things are what an NPD person will try their best and not put themselves in a vulnerable position to get from people. And that's where you get the whole battery or arsenal of tools to try and get people to give you those things without making yourself vulnerable in the meantime that's the fucking catch yeah my like i'm having this thing where i'm 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 like trying to get people to admire me without letting them know my insecurities because if they let if i let them in on my insecurities i feel like the 
the love from them is going to be gone. And I mean, part of my recovery a lot has just been learning that actually, no, people actually really, really like it when I'm honest and real with them. Like they actually, a lot of times they end up loving me more when they, when I'm yeah. real with them. They can see me more, understand me more. And that is the catch 22 is that the narcissist avoids going to that place because they think that the thing that they're the most used to happening or the earliest happened to them is going to happen again. But then when yes. you actually do that and you do it well, or you find the people who can receive you, that's where the healing, that's where love, that's where connection comes from. So you're always trying to, it's kind of like graphs, like an asymptote or something like that, where you're constantly approaching a point, but you never quite get to it. That's kind of what uh -huh. disordered people try to do is they don't want to go directly to the point because they're afraid that the exact same thing from before is going to happen, but they come as close as they can to it, just always closer and closer and closer, but never quite touching it, trying to get that connection or love, but only getting the shallow versions because you can't actually do the real thing because you're afraid and so breaking through uh -huh. and finally getting the real thing and see being rewarded for it seeing it go well that is a massive part of their healing journey and also just for the other disorders yep definitely yeah yeah i guess i'll say this too i'm not gonna mention names uh, but there is somebody from the community that guy like idealized and the idea of like telling that person that i idealize them kind of freaked me out because i'm like i don't want to talk to me anymore. Like, I'm freaked out by it and it ended up being like one of the best things for our friendship that just raw honesty yeah just made you know she's like totally said i appreciate you saying that and everything so yeah and i mean this is kind of when i was talking with nameless narcissist about the value of truth is when you put the truth out there and everybody's on the same page and you're looking at things the same way and you know what's going on with the other person the fucking potential that can come out of that is massive but you're afraid yeah. of stepping into that space so you're afraid of stepping into the space where the power is yeah yeah and that's how real connections come is like being honest like that so i want to get i want to get better at that because i want to have real deep connections with people so yeah well you know i I'm think doing it. I'm I, I was about to say i think you're fucking doing it here i think you totally been, i think you've been practicing and doing well and stepping into yourself and i think it's only up from well okay not on fucking wood it's only up yeah. from <laughs> it is it is putting those videos out it's been super helpful talking in the forums all this stuff i've been doing it's been great for that yeah all right so <laughs> i've got another one that is a hobby horse of mine this one is a personal kind of distinction and so you hear people saying all the time narcissists have no empathy and everybody says uh -huh. that's not true they have cognitive empathy just not affective empathy like feeling the actual emotions and things I think that's not quite true either. So in the way that I've defined mm -hmm. empathy, which people can find if they read through some of my organized comments and it's in there at some point and whenever I fucking finish collating all that. But I do think that negative feelings or emotions or affects are a part of empathy. So things like rage, anxiety, bitterness, envy, resentment, mm -hmm. Those are feelings that somebody has that you can use to orient yourself towards other people's inner worlds and try to figure out how to participate in it. Now, we usually say that that's not empathy or that's not relating or connecting to other people because, you know, it's bad or it's wrong. But it's just it, another episode that's coming out where I talk about sadism having a purpose or having a function 
there are times where it's useful or practical for somebody to dehumanize or degrade other people. Say you're defending yourself from somebody, self-defense, or suppose you're a soldier in a war. We are a species mm -hmm. that has aggressive impulses and desires because we sometimes have to take mm -hmm. aggressive actions. And so I actually, mm -hmm. if you include those darker emotions as being a part of empathy, and then the fact that even sometimes, like say you feel good as a narcissistic person and you relate to those feelings through interpreting other people around you, you do have mm -hmm. empathy of a sort, it's just usually degraded or impaired in the same way that it is for regular people. You're usually not very self-aware, um, mm -hmm. you're preoccupied with yourself over other people, so you're selfish and self-centered. Mm -hmm. And with mm -hmm. some of the disordered people, there's usually a kind of neutral or negative pull to their empathy that they inhabit a lot. So if you say somebody who's kind of neutrally empathetic is somebody who uses a lot of cognitive empathy, or they don't really feel things too deeply, or they're kind of always calculating like what the right thing is to do, that's kind of what I would say is being emotionally inert in a way. There's something missing from your empathy. But then somebody who is like mm -hmm. malignant, of who's sadistic, or bitter and resentful. And they can fucking accurately predict other people's feelings or emotions, and they feel things in response to other people's feelings or emotions. So they have curiosity and responsiveness to other people's inner lives, which is kind of what I think empathy is. But it's just being mm -hmm. employed towards aggressive actions or domination actions. And that makes a lot of people uncomfortable to say that this is a normal part of the human experience. But I mean, it clearly fucking is because it happens all the time. And I think that blindness to accept that is where a lot of the stigma with NPD comes from, but also just a lot of fucked up things in society where people are like, well, that's not this thing. And it's just, yeah, like, the, like you know, say like anti-trans laws, like this is just being motivated out of spite and ignorance, all these negative emotions, like people are being malignantly empathetic towards other people and people mm -hmm. may be taking it seriously and like discussing the policy <clears throat> merits of like, how do you reach these people? And it's just like, no, they're just being bitter and resentful. And this is changing the layout of people's worlds, but that malignant empathy, where that's coming from, there's still some reason for that. There's still something you can do about that. You can engage with it by relating to those people of not taking them seriously at the cognitive level, because obviously I think it's fucking nonsense, but it's where is the resentment and bitterness coming from this person? And why is that what you're using to relate to people? And if you actually come at it from that angle, I mean, it's the same way that I'm trying to relate to people with disorders who have those painful parts of themselves and actually holding open space and being like, yeah, I'll fucking talk about it with you. Because if it's a part of what you have going on inside you, it's a part of the human experience. How do we make this go best for you? So with, hold on, I'm trying to like, sort of like get a fuller idea of what you're saying. With resentment and those negative feelings, you are understand, is this what you're saying? Is that you're understanding how other people are feeling because you understand their resentment towards you or something? You are. <laughs> so say like you're resentful and bitter and so you are uh -huh. envious and you want to feel better so you're going to try and think about something that, that person feels really good about and tear it down in your mind or make a side comment to try and bring them down uh -huh. so it's you yes. are accurately figuring out who the other person is and what's important and to how them they feel and how they feel uh -huh. you're just employing it right. towards negative ends or right. if somebody is controlling and abusive and you're 
you're trying to think about how do I psychologically manipulate the target. If you're doing it in a way that is accurate to the person's inner environment and you're doing things that kind of work, it's, well, I mean, there are a lot of people who can be abusive without self-awareness. And I think it's maybe more difficult with some of those negative affects to be really self-aware, but nonetheless, like people who mm -hmm. do it intentionally and clear eyed is you know what's going on with the other person are aware of their inner life. Just the things that you're doing with that information, the direction you're going are unpleasant, but you're still correct. You're hurting still them, accurate. but you know what they're feeling. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I've done that, I've done that before. Yeah. I've known. Exactly. What would be someone's vulnerabilities? What would be something that some would would hurt someone? And if I've been triggered by them, I'll I'll go right for that. And that does involve a certain amount of empathy because you have to understand what they're feeling insecure about in order to push those buttons. Exactly. And so one of the ways that I describe <laughs> it is that the point of vulnerability with somebody is you can be nurturing and fostering and lift people up and make things better. But then if that truly is a vulnerable place where you can do powerful work, it's also a place where you can tear people the fuck down and make it really friggin' painful. And so it's just right. a matter of what are the emotions that you have going on inside of you that makes you want to see what's going on with other people and how you want to relate to them. And so in that way, I think that narcissistic people, ASPD people, beat borderline, obviously, all sorts of disorders uh -huh. do have empathy, just not of the sort that we would say a healthy or a functional person has. A healthy or functional person would be more either in the inert or neutral zone or mm -hmm. up to pro-social attitudes towards other people. How does that sit with yeah, you? Yeah, I like that. That's an interesting view because... Also, something I would say is, is that in our society, uh, empathy is kind of viewed as like always a good thing, right. always a positive thing. And I don't think that's true because I think you can look at somebody. I think you can look into somebody's mind and you can use it in a negative way. Like you can use it to hurt people. You can exactly. figure out. Yeah. And I don't think that means that. And in that situation, it's like empathizing with them is not a nice thing <laughs> you know? i don't know the better way to say that and yeah yeah exactly i think that people basically like empathy and compassion maybe people use them as synonyms and just smoosh them in together yeah like, interchangeably yeah yeah like seeing compassion what's going on is it compassion is is the nice side of empathy compassion yeah. is I can see what you're feeling and I'm going to treat you well because I, I know what's going to make you hurt or what's going to make you feel good. So I'm going to treat you in a way that's nice. But empathy is not always 100% nice, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what my intuition is. And it sounds like you're saying things that are real fucking similar. So it sounds like that is uh, yeah. we're going in the same direction. We're on the same page there. Yeah. Tails. Yeah. Mm, that fucking excites <laughs> me. Got my fucking girl yes. in my corner now. Who the fuck's going to stop? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I so, love that. So, and then another one that I have, just to make this maximally complicated as possible, because, you know, we're just talking about kind of like negative or malignant empathy. Uh -huh. The next point is for narcissistic and antisocial people, NPD and ASPD does not necessarily equal sadism. Very high comorbidity 
And as we've kind of Mm -hmm. talked, we can kind of flip in and out of it, but not necessarily. So this is, I think, one of the core misconceptions of a lot of the demonization of the disorder and all the videos of you can be narcissistic, but if you are not sadistic and also have kind of this cold negative empathy that we're talking about, you're not going to fuck with people because why would you? You don't get pleasure out of seeing them hurt or you don't know how Mm -hmm. to control people because you can't even figure out your own emotions. We have people on the forums who are narcissistic, who lie, manipulate, cheat, but they are profoundly out of touch with themselves and they don't even know what they're doing with their lives. You poke hard enough and the whole house of cards falls over. So there Mm -hmm. are people who are narcissistic who don't have this skill set or capacity to go out and do all this fucked up things. And they also just don't have the desire. The core of the narcissistic disorder is the self-esteem dysregulation, the false self, true self dynamic and hiding yourself and not feeling secure. And the sadism or the desire and enjoyment to hurt. Very easy for that to occur as your way to navigate the world when you don't trust the world. So it happens a lot, but by no means guaranteed. And so no, not every single narcissist will be an evil, sadistic motherfucker. No, exactly. And a lot of times that sadism, and this is, I'm not trying to listen, I'm not trying to excuse people being sadistic. A lot of times that sadism though is a part of the underlying problem of narcissists are trying to regulate their self-esteem. And some narcissists decide to regulate their self-esteem by putting others down, you know? Yeah, or they feel enjoyment or they feel good for putting others down because that way they Mm -hmm. get to see the pain made real in somebody else, not themselves. So they can temporarily think it's not really me or they can Mm -hmm. bring somebody else down and they don't have to constantly be reminded when somebody else is kind of above you, when you feel worthless or insecure and you see somebody who just things that you want that you think would make you feel better it's like they're just constantly digging a brand into your side and just being like see you suck see you suck like it just it feels extraordinarily painful in a very fucking real way and sadism is a way of trying to use aggression and enjoying the expression of aggression to bring them down to their level or to make them smaller yeah it's uh-huh. it's not great we're not playing nice in the sandbox as you basically said <laughs> yeah 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 but when you explain it, it does completely make sense. Yeah. So cool. I'm glad that, you know, we're just now, now we're getting into like some of the cool shit that I've been writing and observing myself and just being cool. able to get your feedback on it right now and hearing you be like, oh yeah, that sort of sounds like me or I see where you're coming from or I've thought this too. Mm, uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Oh my God. It's one of my... I got to say, this is like one of my favorite interviews I've done. I feel like I went into a lot of things that I've been thinking about that I haven't put into videos or anything. So this is awesome. (laughs) And to you, our audience, if you're wondering if or why you would want to come on here for an interview, this is how connection and having conversations and putting it out there for people helps you understand yourself and others better. Mm -hmm. And you can show up here just like April did and have these great conversations. If you just want to contact Few or Nota on the NPD support group sub forum, and we would be glad to have you on. All right, fucking fucking plugs ahoy. Okay, (laughs) moving. (laughs) Absolutely, you deserve it. So the next point here, I think you already did it really well, which shows narcissists don't target people. So maybe just a Mm -hmm. slight tweak or addition that I would put on that is that 
narcissists are not always super geniuses hell-bent on ruining your life and victims <laughs> also are not always entirely in the right and innocent Woo, which is yes controversial so let's this is some controversial stuff that's what i like <laughs> oh you I you like wanted to in the pot <laughs> i was about to say you want to be a celebrity we're here talking about the messy fucking shit right that's now right like... you know <laughs> punk rock girl i want to mess stuff up a bit <laughs> yeah so, um, so oh go ahead so hold on just just explain more of like what you okay, want yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah i should put a bit more skin in the game so let's Probably start with the first one time. yeah because i think this is easier and we've kind of already talked about it but no mm -hmm. not every narcissist has the empathy the grandiosity the understanding or resources to know how to manipulate or fuck with other people or hurt them and in fact a lot of narcissists when they decompensate they fucking flail like they just act out they do crazy shit it destroys their own lives because they actually yeah know how to navigate that space they're a fish out of water they're inept and they don't know how uh -huh. to put things onto a stable keel uh-huh right so you know these people will not have the capacity to ruin your life or if they try you actually can deflect them in some ways which some resources are actually pretty good in terms of non-engagement documents other sorts of tips and tricks for how to deal with people are bringing you aggression you're the one who yeah actually this this is a part of the victims aren't always entirely the right or innocent uh you do have a responsibility of if somebody is aggressing against you to meet the threat and move on so meeting the threat mm -hmm. doesn't mean getting revenge being bitter back it's if you're the healthy stable person your goal is how do i carry on with my life how do i stop this unwarranted aggression so mm -hmm. that can happen in a whole bunch of ways but i think some of the ways where victims not entirely being in the right is in some ways there are some people who are sadomasochistic who maybe don't want to accept that or who have mm -hmm. unrealistic expectations about the world and entitlements such that when something doesn't work out with somebody or they turn out to have this personality disorder, they just don't want to believe it. And it offends them to think that somebody could do this to them or that somebody else could be aggressive and this is unfair and the world shouldn't be like that. And if this is where you get people being like, the narcissist ghosted me, they gave up when they they themselves couldn't make the relationship work anymore. They didn't know what the fuck to do. And they're just like, you know, they left me I'm by myself. I'm brokenhearted. They didn't sort this out. And it's just like, but yeah, people do this. Like the other person is, some people will go to you and try and fuck with you. Like, yeah, some people will be malignant. Other people is just, they don't have the skills. They got what they wanted out of it. They got bored. They fucked off. You staying in the place where you're just like, this person did this to me when they're fucking months or years gone and you're refusing to move on. That's... You do need to heal from trauma. You need to take the time to process your anger, your own rage and anxiety and sadness. But then if you refuse to move on from that place and you're just staying there because this person didn't give you what you wanted, that's you being entitled. It's you thinking that this person yes. ought to have been something different or ought come back and do something to make you feel better. And that is a 
not great state of mind to be into. It's a trap to fall into that. A lot of those people that are like the victims of abusive relationships, possibly with people with NPD, they get locked into this state of mind where they're like constantly researching uh, NPD and they're just trying to understand it because they think that if they can just figure out the answer, then they're going to feel better if they can, you know, hate narcissists enough, then they can feel better. And that definitely doesn't work. One of the other strategies I see people try to do is they get into that codependent mode where they're like, Mm-hmm. If I can figure out what's wrong with the narcissist, I can fix them. I can be the one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I, I got yeah, <sighs> to figure them out, figure out their mind, and then I can fix them, and then I'll sweetie, be good. Sweetie, can you not just call <laughs> me out right now? Like, can you just fuck right off with that? <laughs> sorry, Jesus I'm sorry, I didn't know like, oh, you out there. <laughs> right in the yeah and i think yeah i've been one of those people and people can listen to my pods look at my writing like my mother was kind of the first one and it took mm-hmm. a while of me maturing and finally being like i can set my own boundaries i can't fix this person if they don't want to let me in i'm allowed to have my own life and it took me a while to mm-hmm. come to that perspective but then once i did it made me a lot stronger, made me a lot happier. And I was able to start doing the same thing for other people who brought me shit to my life that I just didn't want a part of it. I just don't have to deal with it. I can set my own boundaries. I don't have to give a fuck if you're a me- messy ratchet motherfucker. It's, it's not my fucking problem. Yeah. That's your deal. <laughs> so, like, you heal that on your own. Narcissist, go to therapy, get your own help, you know? It's not like your responsibility to heal them. Yeah. Um, also, like... I get a lot of people, the reason I'm thinking about this, the reason I brought this up is just because like, I get a lot of messages from people as my Instagram is and my YouTube has grown. I get a lot of questions from people that are like, how can I help my, <laughs> how can I help my ex find out that they had NPD oh. and then I can fix them? It's not oh, going to work. I'm no. telling you right now, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so one of my partners who's NPD slash ASPD, and I'm having some success in terms of being able to work with her on her inner environment. The difference is we started off on that footing of wanting to work about it and her being open and us being willing to work with each other. And then we've managed to keep it going and it's been really productive. But once you start like getting- she wants to change, you know, ex- that's yeah, different. I, and I want to help her. I want to play out the same desire that a lot of these people are talking about of trying to figure out the yeah. way to help the disordered person. But the difference is, again, we're moving in alignment and particularly with exes or with family members or close friends or anything like that. Once you've had the toxicity <laughs> and the ego needs and wish fulfillments and gameplay, like once that shit's gotten involved, like how do you get out of it? How do you take the off ramp? Like disordered people, they're not very good at repairing or healing or letting things go so once you've already Uh gotten to that place and the person has started a pattern of moving against you it is almost impossible to fucking turn it around i've never seen it personally so that would be my kind of it doesn't happen yeah i had a i had an ex before i was self-aware who like she she tried to make me recognize that i had npd and it just felt like to me, the way that it was perceived by me, maybe this will help other people that 
are kind of codependent like that is the way I feel like it's I feel like I'm being attacked when I'm being told that I'm a narcissist I feel like I'm like and I don't like that you're seeing that far into me and I don't want you to see that far into me so I feel like attacked and I feel like get away from me you know so that's why it doesn't work it's a real fucking shoot the messenger and drive over them and back up and three times for good measure is just kill that motherfucker dead who's who's trying to bring this shit to your doorstep yeah and so yeah 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 i have a couple more points for this one that hopefully you know you can support me on and inflate my ego and grandiosity so another thing i would love to do that for you yes (laughs) (laughs) so yeah another one in terms of So the same point we're making is that a lot of the negative playbook that disordered people run on people in terms of the manipulation and abusiveness and shit like that. There is some extreme shit where people stalk you to your house, show up to your work. That is scary and terrifying. And I validate and I understand that those are difficult to deal with. But then when there are kind of these lower thresholds of somebody just being an asshole, being pissy at work or doing these other things, people can hurt you, but there's also a way in which manipulation only functions when things are hidden in secret, when somebody is exploiting the common social trust for their own gain. And so if you bring those things out into the open, if everybody's on the same page, if this is why people tell you to document things, if you're willing to accept that people act like this, if you take some protective measures, you can cut down on the power of manipulation a lot. And it's actually not as strong as some people might think. Now, this this is delicate because I am not telling you to go out there and pick a fight with disordered people. Like, they will take this as a threat Mm -hmm. to their ego and their self, and they will escalate to nuclear war. But Mm -hmm. you have somewhat of an obligation to accept that there are people out there who work like this, and that there are some measures you can take that will be best for yourself to navigate that world that has these people and to try to preserve your own person. Again, this is about you. Like, it's not about the other person. This is how do I make sure I can keep living the life that I want and pursuing my own goals, even if there are people who are going to come at me sometimes with this seeming seeming or correctly perceived unprovoked aggression. That is a skill set that we need to teach people, that people need to be aware of, that you need to care. It's like self-defense classes that they teach Mm -hmm. to women or minorities or people who go through traumatic incidences trying to get their confidence back. What's that? And again, this is kind of what some of the narc channels are about, of trying to like tell you what they do, but it's not even about knowing why they're bad. And then you're like, oh, okay, they shouldn't have done that. They're a bad person. I don't have to worry about it. No, that's fucking dumb. That doesn't change anything. What do you Mm -hmm. do? What empowers you? What makes you stronger to be able to handle people who would come at you with these things? That is something that I think everybody should have an interest in investing in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so the last last point, aside from that, and I can sum this one up hopefully quickly, is disordered people can be too afraid to accept or acknowledge vulnerability connection or softness and Mm -hmm. ordered people can be too afraid to accept or acknowledge malignancy or intentional sadism they're both kind of stuck in this way of trying to not take seriously or being afraid of what the other person represents right yeah so that also creates this thing where 
with I mean that's a lot of why I get more at home when I'm talking to other cluster B people. Yes. Because I know that other people like you guys will understand me and my specific problems that I have in a way that when I'm trying to talk to my everyday people, it's just not it's not gonna happen. You know? They're not yeah. gonna accept those challenging behaviors I have. <laughs> Yeah, you know, quote unquote challenging, but I mean, really, I want to kind of draw a bit of a parallel of there's a way in which everybody does a disservice by being ignorant of what other people are trying to do and not being willing to move towards them. And so it's moving towards this center of being able to really, again, it's black and white thinking at a scale writ large. Everybody does it, not just the narcissistic people. And so it's kind of interesting when you uh -huh. point that out and say that even for the supposed normie functional people, there are some things that you don't want to look at or you want to repress, you want to keep out of sight and out of mind or be ignorant of, but then you want to tell disordered people that well your way is wrong you need to know me you should be able to do this that and the other and again it's like where you're just disprivileging or disempowering the disordered person who has this inner environment for very good reasons sometimes and what made them that way so there's really on both sides to be able to accept and acknowledge what other people have going on inside of them is i think uh where i wanted to go with that right got you yeah other people, they have trouble understanding us and we can have trouble understanding them. And I think a lot of it is bridging the gap. And hopefully with all these channels, with all these YouTubers, these podcasters, these Instagrammers, hopefully eventually we'll be able to turn a corner where people, normal people will be able to understand us better. And then we'll be able to have more of an open dialogue with them. And just the understanding will grow on both sides in that way. Well, yeah, this is one of those situations where you got to give to get. If you want understanding, one of the quickest ways is to give understanding. Give somebody a reason to trust and be secure with you. And then they're willing to take what you say seriously. So, uh -huh. okay. Ah, this is exciting. I'm really glad that these things are ringing true for you. So everybody, hopefully you've been enjoying this discussion of misconceptions with NBD as much as April and I have. And if you're hoping to hear more out of us, well, guess what? You're fucking lucky because there is going to be more because we're about Hell to turn yeah. to, <laughs> yeah, <absolutely. laughs> we're gonna turn to the topic of coping skills and hopefully April's going to open up to me and share some of the things that have been particularly useful for her. So stick around, stay tuned for when that drops. But until then, thanks for coming back. Thank you. I'm looking forward to hear from you all again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, See you later. Care. All right, bye.